Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby, for episode 35 here on the podcast. And today we welcome in senior point guard P.J. Thompson. P.J., I know you've been waiting very patiently to get on this podcast, and your slot finally opened up. And uh, when I gave you the news this week that we, you would be on, a little twinkle in your eye. So we want to thank you for taking some time to join us here today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Next, next time we just can't wait 35 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem fair, but uh, we're glad to have him on now. And um, we've had uh, I mean, a couple... Mookie, Mookie was on before you. <laughs> <laughs> think think former, about that. Our former equipment manager, yeah. Mookie Maves, made the cut before PJ, but... Um, I think the timing's uh, the timing's uh, pretty good because we are in the middle of six and zero start uh, as of the taping of this um, in our Big Ten schedule. Uh, you guys in your senior year, we've had Isaac and Dakota on this before on this podcast, and we've kind of talked about um, about your class kind of overall. And I know I was talking to you yesterday in practice just about our group, and I've been around the program a long time, not as long as Larry, but I can. There was another, t- our other very successful team um, in terms of kind of elite success um, was a very close knit group. And this group is right there with them. And you and I talk about it quite a bit. Um, and I want to give you a lot of credit because you're kind of the, the Pied Piper and the leader of, the, of everybody. Um, but you guys are a real close knit group. Yeah, we are. Um, I'm definitely going to test for that. Uh, this is probably the closest team that I've been on. Um, at Purdue and you definitely can tell on the court just the way we move the ball and how happy we are for one another whether someone scores two points or someone scores 25 you know everyone's um, extremely happy for them and um, it's definitely showing there, there was a um, a quote I saw after following our game at Minnesota from somebody what a national sports writer on Twitter I can't remember who it was but they said uh, when you watch Purdue play um, the most important player every possession is the open player, and they find him more often than not. And just to your point, um, especially the last couple games, uh, it's been really fun to watch how you guys move the ball, find the open shooter, make the extra pass. And as you referenced, you, you've got to be selfless to do that. And I don't think anybody on this team has much selfishness to them. And I think when you buy into the concept of winning is the ultimate goal for everybody, uh, it just seems like one through – 13 everybody on the on the team you know believes in that yeah i agree 100 percent um you know i think it starts with our senior class you know a lot of us play or all of us play a lot of minutes and um you know there'll be times where i i might score 15 points and there'll be times where i score two but um i'm just as excited either time you know i'm a starting point guard on the top five team in the country you know a lot of people can't say that so um you know i come to practice every day with a smile on my face because i know how good of a team we are and i know where we can go and it goes for the other guys too vince um, Art, Isaac, Dakota, uh, Carson, so so unselfish guys. And, you know, when you have a coaching staff that puts you in the right position to, t- to succeed and you just follow the game plan and, um, you know, do your role, do your job, you have success. Before we talk a little bit about your history, because you come from a basketball family and uh, that will continue here, and talk about um, some of the things that you've done since you've been at Purdue, I want to go back to the Michigan game from last week because – these are the type of games, and I've always said this, it's it's not a surprise, it's it's fact. Uh, teams that win close games on the road end up having great seasons. That's how it is. You know, all you have to do is look. You don't. There's very few teams that go on the road and have a win in the spread that we had on Saturday. That just doesn't happen, and it wouldn't happen against Minnesota if they had their full complement of players. No one feels bad for them. It's just the way it is. But having said it, it's a one-point game. It turns out that game goes down to four seconds. If we take the Northwestern game, the Maryland game on the road, this game with Michigan, we've we've closed the deal on all of them. And it goes back to last year. Purdue's now won 13 to 14 regular season Big Ten games. That's 13 and one with the only loss at Michigan. And there have been some close games in there. And I I, I just wonder what your feeling is or your attitude is as that goes through because you're a player right? you're looking at the scoreboard mm-hmm. fan you're just like a fan but you're looking at the scoreboard you're trying to figure out how to win except the Take fan, a, yeah the fans the fans insides are churning yeah <laughs> do you ever hear that i hear from fans all the time they're like hey great game but man can you guys stop doing that stop like we're so dying close, yeah. right right so so take us through the, the mm-hmm. just the last few seconds and what's going through your mind as a player and as a team yeah um 
Michigan game felt like the NCAA tournament um, type of atmosphere. You know, obviously it was on the road. Uh, NCAA games are normally neutral court, uh, unless last year you're playing Kansas in Kansas City. But um, yeah, it felt like an NCAA tournament type game. Um, you know, we had the lead by double figures. They made their runs and um, came back. And you know, we happened to make some huge shots at the end of the game from Vince, uh, Dakota. Carson. Carson made a huge one, and then Isaac with a huge free throw, and then um, you know Vince and Vince and I were able to funnel him to the baseline, and almost had our hearts broken because he almost hit the the last second shot over us. But um, those are the type of wins that you know mean the most. You know, everyone in the arena on our side wearing black, and um, you know you hear the Purdue fans when you're leaving, and those are the wins that mean the most, just because it's just you versus thousands of people, and uh, winning on the road is so tough in the Big Ten. I'm always amazed on our road games how many Purdue people are in the stands. Like you just said, there was so I, I was watching the TV copy of the game from Minnesota, and towards the end of the, the last two minutes of the game, um, the play-by-play guy Jason Benetti says, "Oh, there's a few boos for the Minnesota fans," and Dan Dockich quickly said, "No, no, no." He goes, "They're checking in Tommy Loose," <laughs> and and I did I, I guess yeah, that's true. Yeah, and during yeah, the game, like, I didn't realize it, but then he said. And so then, they, then Jason said, "Well, that just speaks volumes of how many Purdue fans are in this building and the kind of following they have." And uh, it, it is cool. Like when 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 you get a win, you always and like we'll go back and watch tape, and there'll be Purdue guys here or there in the stands with their you know Purdue gear on. And when you guys hit big shots, they're up fist pumping and everything. Yep. <laughs> it, it's great to see how many guys come out and cheer us on on the road. Yeah, definitely. You know, I love it just because you know it's Purdue fans everywhere. Um, especially being a guy from India, I didn't realize until, you know, four years ago I committed how many Purdue fans there were. I mean, everywhere I went, you know, PJ, congratulations, man. You're going to have a great career. Um, Boilers are going to be great. Like, just the support that I give being an Indiana kid and then the support now my brother gets. And, um, you know, we can be in Michigan, Minnesota, Maryland, doesn't matter. You know, those Purdue fans travel. And, uh, you know, I think that's what makes them the best fans in the country. I was doing some uh, math work on the uh – flight home uh, only because it came to my brain and I we had those comfortable seats in that charter airline that we you know we we charter with Miami and they're terrific and they charter sports teams all over the country but the jet we had the other day was incredible and so you had a lot of room and so I decide uh, not only going out I did some work which is not like me <laughs> but coming normally, back, normally Larry is staring out the window, drinking coffee. <laughs> coffee, yeah, that's, that's all I do. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm thinking, all right, this group now, how many wins? And I figured out it's 91 now, and I don't know, and I don't know what our four-year record is for a class, but I can't remember a class that has played this many games as a unit. And I guess it would be, I guess it would be Robbie's team, but Robbie missed a year. And of course, Scott wasn't with us anymore, and so it was a, it was a, it wasn't as big a group as these four guys. So, but anyway, I don't know what the number is as we speak. I'm sure I'll look it up between. Well, now and Chris Foreman, our SID, will have that. But it's 91. It's staying it's, right now at 91. It's mind-boggling. But then when you also add in the amount of, and we we talked about this with uh, <coughs> both Isaac and Dakota and PJ. You can talk to it here. The amount of games you guys have played, not only um, NCAA games, but the the uh, trip to Spain, the trip to the World University Games, the exhibition games involved in the World University Games. I mean, all those times, like you guys have laced it up and walked on the court together a more than anybody in our program's history. Now, some of those games don't officially appear in the NCAA record book because they aren't NCAA games, but... Um, that's got, that's a huge part of why you guys are play so connected on the court. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I, I would honestly have a hard time imagining if if another group has played in better venues than you know we have in our um, four years at Purdue. I mean, like you said, Spain, um, Taipei, Atlantis, Cancun. Maui, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just hit it. I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. And then once you add the, um, the Big Ten and how good the Big Ten's been over the years of the the Wisconsin, the Michigan State's, the Purdue's. I mean, it's been an awesome, uh, four years. And you know, our group it's made us closer together. Um, I thought the Taipei trip really brought us closer together because there's no TV, there's no anything. So we're all just spending time with one another. I learned how to play euchre. 
And now I'm a euchre oh, stud there now. We go. They that's, got, <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, so I'm still waiting to play uh, Coach Payne in, in Bloom. Me and, me and Grady, me and Dakota, but I uh, feel like I can get it now. <laughs> that is that is one of the things we always talk about, those foreign trips and why the basketball is important and, like, the 10 extra practices are important. In our case, the whole summer's worth of practices were important. But it's that exactly what you just said. It's kind of hunkered down in, in this case, in basically dorm rooms together. Um, it's taking little side trips together, and when you're when you're on a trip like that, it's such an equalizer because you guys are on the same footing as we are. We've never been there, so we're like all in that together. So it's like when we venture out to a, an unknown um, environment, um, I think it not only brings you guys closer but it brings the staff closer to you guys and uh that's one of the things i've the other thing i've always told people is when especially your class i sometimes have to remind myself you guys are still in college like, you guys act like you're 35 years old i mean you have such a well, some of them may be <laughs> it's such a mature group and just uh just good guys i mean I, there's not one time that we go somewhere whether it's a restaurant or whether we're doing work with a children's group or maybe a anytime like we we have a lot of times after ball games that we'll bring kids back into the locker room and they may be kids that are suffering from an illness or maybe have just recently lost a parent or things of that nature and I'll bring some of those kids back to the locker room and all I do is just kind of let the guys know hey here's so and so and and you guys take it over from there and I and we don't have to do anything else because you guys got it and the amount of um, I guess you, just the class and the maturity that you guys have is just through the roof. Yeah, no, definitely. That's one of our favorite parts, you know, just giving back because we know the platform, you know, we've created at Purdue uh, with being really good student athletes, doing the right things on and off the court. And, um, you know, we know how blessed and fortunate we are to be in the position uh, we're in. So when we do things like um, Christmas time, giving some of our per diem to the families and, you know, seeing the smile on their faces and, um, you know that, that their parents can give the kids more gifts now it, it just uh, makes us feel a lot better you know about ourselves because we're helping others and um, others are getting a chance to have a good Christmas to experience having seeing three TVs in the locker room um, Isaac Hodges size 22 shoes stuff like that so um, it's always a good feeling let me you uh, let, let me bring up something too I love to discuss when when I do speaking things um, and having been in this thing for 40 years plus is the understanding that so many fans, now there are fans out there that play college basketball, there's very few fans out there that ever played at this level, um, which definitely means something. Um, and when I say this level, I'm saying, you know, there's only, there's only a handful of people all time that's had a chance to play at this level. But as fans, we have a tendency uh, and you know, I root for teams too, like professional teams. We always have a tendency to think uh, two things. One, if you don't win, you blew it, uh, which is not true. The other team sometimes is better than you on certain nights, even when you are a better team. Mm -hmm. That happens. But the thing that I always talk about is the circumstances that each player has to go through in life. And uh, we all assume that once that light goes off, then you guys are ready to go and everybody's going to be in a happy mood. But you, for example, as a player, and I'll give a perfect example, on Saturday was sick. Mm -hmm. No one knew that. I didn't know that. And so when the gel comes out to start for you in the second half, we're thinking, you know, here's and you also threw up an air ball in the first half which we'd never seen so but you were i mean you were really sick so my point is um guys have girlfriend problems they have parent problems occasionally they have uh study problems they have grade problems they have all kinds of things and usually i've always felt that when the when the lights go on hey that's a great time to forget about all those things true but sometimes it doesn't. Well, I mean, easier, sometimes, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot. Of, yeah, and of course, when you're traveling and you have some time alone, you have a chance to reflect, and you're not. But just the reason I bring it up, PJ, is because of what happened to you Saturday. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, nobody out there knows that you know you're not up to. You know, it appears you're not playing as well as you normally play, but they don't know how sick you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, people sometimes forget, you know, that we're humans. Um, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> and, and, and you're young humans. Yeah. You know, it's like we, you know, you, 
We're yeah, old. Don't, like, don't let the age thing bother you. You can be an old person. <laughs> you can be an old person. Be Larry's stupid. proof that no matter your age, you can screw up yeah, quite exactly, a bit. Exactly. Right? But yeah, I mean, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I mean, we're humans, but I think you know all the problems that you mentioned. Um, they're true. You know, I think they're true on every college basketball team. Um, they're true on Purdue's team, but I think the, the good teams. I I think they they um, the reason that they are good teams is because they keep it on. They keep it on the end. You know, they keep it within within like within the team so you know if I'm having problems with you know my parents you know I can talk to my teammates about it and my teammates are there for me and then when I come on the basketball court it's I forget I'm with my team I'm with my best friend let's go practice let's go have a good game and um, I think with, with the bad team and you know whether they're having problems with each other you know it shows on the court I'm not gonna pass it to him because I, I don't like him he I don't know he went out with someone else just last week instead of going out with me he didn't invite me so I'm not gonna pass right, to him right. yeah you know yeah. we don't have that type of problem on our team um, unselfish guys you know we might no we're not hanging out 24 7 but the majority of the time we are together um, we're having a good time together and I think that translates to on the court success um, I do want to talk about your uh, basketball background and and as Cliz referenced your uh, you really come from a basketball family now I did check with compliance before we uh, started taping this podcast, <laughs> Thank you, yeah. and we have to avoid the topic of a future Boilermaker, um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll dance around that the best we can. But um, a basketball family, your dad played collegiately, um, still very active in the uh, basketball community, so to speak, in Indianapolis, so um, talk a little bit about uh, your dad and him playing, and then just kind of your introduction to the game as a young kid. Yeah, so my dad, um, he played basketball at uh, Ball State and Indiana State. Um, you know, he had a good career. He played, came from Pike High School in Indianapolis. And, um, you know, everyone said he was a really good player. And I, I was born his fifth year at Ball State. So um, I was there in the second semester. And um, he was with my mom. Him and my mom have been together since high school. Um, then he played overseas for a little bit. He played in Italy, Germany, and Norway. And when I was uh, a little kid, I got me and I, me and my brother got to visit him in Italy, which was extremely cool. Um, and I, just, I remember Isaiah was kind of he was kind of the hard-headed kid, um, so he didn't want to hold my dad's hand going up the the stairs at McDonald's. And I was surprised that McDonald's they had like two floors. And I was surprised they had McDonald's in Italy, so I was excited. Um, <laughs> I got some food that I, I recognized, so I was really excited. And um, Isaiah slipped on the ice and busted his head, so we had to go to the hospital. Oh my! And he he had like his head was busted he had to get stitches and no one could speak you know their language so the coaches had to come and like translate and like all that and I remember going to practices and stuff like that got to shoot around with the guy so um that was a really cool experience for me growing up wow that's that's pretty good memory about you as well so so then um at what what what's your earliest basketball recollection in terms of you being out on the floor and do you have a moment that like sticks out that like I remember this real specifically. Yeah, like I remember my dad always played. Like he would play in pickup leagues, and he's a super competitive guy. So, um, you know, I remember you know if they won, you know, we would go to Arnie's and have pizza after the game <laughs> with the guys and like all that. But if you know they didn't win, we were going home and we were, <laughs> we were going to bed. He's like, you know, get get on the bus for school. Don't be late because I don't want to drive you to to school. So, um, and I was a really little kid. I would always go shoot a timeout. You know, as a little kid, I used to hate when the rest would like. We're at pickup league games or AAU events. I would hate when, like, the rest of y'all go to the side when you can't shoot on timeouts or shoot at halftime. So um, I was always one of those little kids getting kicked off the floor because <laughs> I wanted to go get a few shots up. But, uh, yeah, no, I remember I've been around basketball my whole life. Um, he's trained me my whole life. I'm a basketball trainer, and um, now he's a trainer in Indianapolis, and he's able to give back to the community a little bit and, you know, help kids out. Well, you talk about him being competitive, and I think we can all attest to that feeling that, when you you know when you win a game, uh, I mean it's great for a number of reasons. But then you feel like okay now I can enjoy I can go out and enjoy some stuff here. Whereas if you lose, it's like no nope, I'm going back to the bunker. I'm closing <laughs> the hatch and I'm hunkering down. I don't want anybody to see me until our next game. And uh, I know that one of the things and it's been documented this year that you guys kind of came up with our uh, our team rules for the last three seasons. And um, one of our our kind of rules is after a loss we're we're, we're staying in. We're not to be seen, really. But but kind of talk about that mentality. And in a game like Saturday, too, a noon tip when you get a win, yeah. 
I think I even tweeted it. I said, there's not a greater feeling <laughs> in the world than getting a road win at noon and having the rest of the weekend to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the things. You know, you see a Saturday Saturday game, you know, you're looking to see what time it is. You see a 12 o'clock slot, 12, 12 p.m. You're like, oh, man, this is awesome. We get a road win. We get a home win. We get to celebrate. So, um, no, I think that's how a lot of the guys are brought up, though, to be honest, because a lot, of, a lot of us are similar. You know, we love to win, hate to lose, and that's the mentality you want on the team. So, um, that was an easy rule to make for the guys because everyone agreed with it, and um, you know it, it was kind of normal for us. You, I, I've never seen, I, I've never been around people that you know celebrated losing, so um, that was an easy rule for us. And when we win, you know we're all coming over to the house, you know kicking a little bit. So uh, it was a pretty easy rule to make, and um, fortunately we haven't had to experience that a lot this season because we have always said, a previous season. Pardon me, I've always said uh, to fans um, when when they're disappointed in what you guys do that, hey, those guys are as disappointed as you are, <laughs> right. uh, uh, more so because they have a vested interest in it. And so are the coaches, uh, trust me when I say that, but of course that doesn't light up anybody's brain that much. But I will say this, that it's, I'd like to know, where were you uh, in Atlantis after the first two losses? Because I know that the Purdue fan base for the most part ready to fall off a cliff I mean there's no question about that prior to the Arizona game yeah we were uh we were pretty down to be honest um not gonna lie to you we were, it was pretty bad it was to a point where I was roommates with this true story I was roommates with no gel Dakota and Grady were sweet mates with me so we could go into each other's room anytime we wanted and it, I think after the second loss and I don't know if it was the next I couldn't have been the next day so it was that night I remember Grady coming to the room and he said like, Pete, I just went outside for the first time. Like, that's the first time i just seen light in a, in a long time. And I, I started thinking, I'm like, I haven't either. So, like, after the losses, we come in our room, and we're, like, sleeping the whole day. We're watching film, preparing for our next opponent. And it just goes to the fact, like, when we we're in Atlantis, like, might yeah, not ever be in exactly, Atlantis again. Exa it's exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, you might, you might like, yeah, we lost, but I want to go walk around and look exactly, at the pool or exactly. something. And it wasn't even that. Like, we're, we're losing, and I promise you, we were in our rooms the whole time uh, just talking about, like, what, what's up, like, what's going on. And unfortunately, we, we lost our two and then got to play Arizona, so we kind of got excited again because we knew it was yeah, still and Arizona. That, so. and, that was, and that was a miracle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to have Purdue and Arizona play in the seventh, in the seventh place game in a tournament, in a, a non-exempt tournament, was impossible. I mean, it was, was a little, it was a little um, uh, the whole misery loves company kind of thing. Like when we were talking to the Arizona guys before the tip, like you make small talk with the staff, other team staff usually, if you, if you have a relationship. And we've kind of got a relationship. Last game of the tournament. <laughs> and we're looking at each other like, can you believe this? And uh, we just, we were kind of looking at each other. I talked to my counterpart and we were just kind of like, this is. This is not how this was intended to go, and we just kind of shared a moment of commiserie together. That uh, it's just you know, it, but it, you're right. It did kind of re-energize you to know you're going to play a team of that caliber, and obviously you guys come back and play uh, at the magic level, as Coach Katie used to say. And then that's kind of just been a momentum boost that's carried on, you know, for the rest of the way. Because when we came back, we didn't have any time to regroup or anything else no, Louisville right was back next, into yeah. Louisville and then Maryland and then Northwestern yep definitely um yeah we were down like I said but we knew Arizona was still Arizona and they still had a number by their name um at that point in time um, number two in the country we knew Arizona we figured Arizona was going to be like us and you know still have a really good season and put themselves in this position to be a NCAA tournament team have a good year and they so have. yeah so we were we were excited to play that game and you know we came out firing we played really well and then like you said we had a quick turnaround with Louisville at home um, I think this is probably the toughest non-conference schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, just because it was weird, too, with the Big Ten being early and playing two um, conference games early. So this was a hard non-conference schedule for us, but I think it's made it's made us better, and it got us prepared for conference, and now we're off to a good start. Um, so I want to ask another question about your dad. So how a typical game, like let's say on a Saturday at noon, um, do you guys talk then? that afternoon and, and go back and reevaluate the game? Is that something you guys do every game or just kind of occasionally? It's occasionally. Um, you know, he's it's weird because, like, as a trainer, you know, he's so hands-on. You know, he wants he knows what I have to do to get better because he knows, like, our system so well. So he's, like, so hands-on and he knows. But as far as, like, when I'm playing, it's like I know how prepared he is, so I let him do his thing. Like, he's not one of those parents over there, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. Yeah. And then even after the games, you know, that's the I think that's honestly the best part because – 
he's been so supportive of me because I mean as a freshman you know not playing as much to a senior playing all the time like he's been so supportive the whole time and um, he's made it so easier so much easier for me and um, you know after the games he, the the most I might get is uh, you didn't hold your follow through on that three or um, you know it looked good like your shots looking good man you're making the right decisions stuff like that I mean that's the most I'll get um, he's not one of the guys that's calling the coaches and in the coaches ears all the time even though you might think that's how he is if you know him like as a trainer as a you know a person but he's not it's um, he's definitely made it easier for me to be myself and to, um, learn how college basketball is go through the rough times and then you get to experience the good times so well that's good to hear I know um, that there's a and that probably some of that comes from the fact that he played and he probably remembers you know those feelings and those emotions that are involved in, in all those games but um, I know that uh, one of the things we've, we've talked about with your group is not only um, are you guys such good guys but we have such good parents in our program and it, and it shows they've done such a great job with all of you um, and it's really uh, a lot of people we talked about this last week we had coach Katie on we talked about the Purdue basketball family but not only is it just the team and the guys in that locker room, but it kind of extends to to your families as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's oftentimes we're getting ready to leave the arena, and you guys are down there talking to each other, and the yeah. families are hanging out, and everybody knows one another. It's just a mm-hmm. it's a good feeling, and, and especially after wins, you guys can kind of get together and, and talk like that. Yeah, it's definitely it's family atmosphere. Um, you know, whether it's our players going over a coach's house on a random day just because they want us to have dinner, just because they want us to come over and play cards. You know, that's the type of atmosphere you get at Purdue um you know they they make it's it's real laid back um it's it's just family man that's what makes it so comfortable um it's it's easy to be around and yeah it's business like we handle our business but we also have fun and um like you said with the parents you know there's times where uh Dakota's dad or mom but hey I got saw a cheap flight to Minnesota um you know we got it you got to get on it so that's what he's telling my parents to do and so they can (laughs) all come support together it's times where I'm driving to Michigan if you want to ride you know so um, you know, it definitely extends to the parents. Um, our parents have definitely, everyone's parents have became closer and um, it's made for good times. So talk a little bit about, uh, we've kind of discussed the you guys as seniors, but talk a little bit about these new guys. Um, they, um, and not only the guys that are playing, I mean, Matt Harms and Nogel Eastern um, obviously uh, come to mind, um, but also Aaron Wheeler and, and Sasha uh, Stefanovich, two guys that are redshirting this year, but mm-hmm. A big part of our team and the in the fact that they get you guys better every every day um and, and a lot of times we'll simulate what the opposing team is going to do and they've i think those two have made some great strides in the last especially over the last month um you're starting to see them really uh, kind of get things figured out but not only are they talented guys but they seem to have fit in terms of our culture and the mindset that you guys have established talk a bit about those young guys yeah absolutely sasha um aaron i, I think you know, the best thing for them was to be able to redshirt and practice against guys like Vince and Dakota and Ryan Klein, Carson every day just because, you know, they're playing against some of the best players in the country and they're just making them better. And the thing I like about them is, you know, the extra work they put in. They always are getting shots up on their own. They're working out on game days um, multiple times and they've gotten better, so much better since they've gotten here already. And I definitely think they will in the future. Um, they definitely fit the Purdue culture. They're always with us hanging out and um, having fun and then their, their business when it comes to the court and I think that's what's translated and that's what's made us such a good team this year like some of the I, sometimes like I wish the outside people could like see our practices like our competitive drills are coming down to the last possession like, yeah our yeah. black versus gold you know our stars versus um, guys come off the bench like it's coming down to the last possession we're getting after each other there's times we're like man I'm just like I want this uh this um drill to keep going because they're really like pissing me off <laughs> you know yeah, so it's yeah. times we're like they're they're winning and then they're like making fun of us because we have to run and stuff and then like we get pissed and the next just like we're coming at them and i think that's what made us a better team and because um, it, it's super competitive in practice and everyone's getting better there's no doubt that that um that is one of the reasons i think we are playing so well is that and and i said this to coach painter the other day um which i'm giving you a little insider information here so <laughs> so, so I, I trust you're mature enough to handle it but we we were laughing because um, there's a lot of psychology that's involved with teams and between coaches, st- coaching staffs and teams. And there's been times um, in the past, and this has been a while now, but there's been times in the past where you may be going into a game 
And the coaches kind of collectively feel like, well, we're just not where we need to be in terms of this team. We're not as hungry for this game, or maybe we're, you know, for whatever reason, maybe our guard's down a little bit. And you get nervous going into a game. So then the coaches decide, well, what can we do to get them back on edge? And sometimes, to be honest, somebody will, will, Coach Painter will kick a team out of practice just to get them refocused and get them back on edge. Or maybe he, um, maybe he really jumps them in a drill and, and lets them have it. And we haven't had to do much of that. And, and it's, it goes back to your point. If you guys are so competitive in practice that our energy level has been through the roof on 90% of our practices this year, which is hard to do mm-hmm. because uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's a long season, um, especially this season since we've started basically in the summer. Uh, but you guys have found a way um, to be competitive with each other and get things done it's a constructive competitiveness in practice each day and you're right i can't remember a time when practices have been more enjoyable to watch than with your group yeah no they've been really good it's really competitive you know we're definitely making each other better you know i'm going against a 6-6 point guard that you know he's 220 225 and you know so he's getting rebounds over me left and right and, you know they're, i'm getting yelled at i'm getting snapped on and it's like all right well I'm, if i can box out no joe i can go box out you know simpson from michigan so um, no, it's definitely made me better because um, there was times where, you know, it has been a long season. We've been going since for forever, you know, since Taipei. And, um, you know, I remember talking to you, Boom, and it's like, man, I just, I'm struggling right now. I'm not playing well in practice. I don't know if it's because I'm tired, but I'm ready for these games to start. And I, I was like, I told, I'm telling you, like, once the game starts, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. And it, I just, I don't know, it was just going through a, you know, just a struggle. You know, feel like your feet were in the mud. And, you know, the game start, um starting, you know, we start having some success, uh, you know, besides Bahamas. And, um, you know, start shooting it really well, and everyone started playing well. So um, I think it kind of lit a fire us under a little bit, the Bahamas trip did, and then sort of the, the bad practices that we had at the beginning. And then um, collectively, you know, we, we've all, we all picked it up. And um, since then, the practices have been great. It's been super competitive. Um, everyone's getting better. Um, you know, even Tommy Luce is in there making big shots. And Tim, you said before about the younger guy, you know, Tommy plays the least on our team, and he's the most popular guy on our team so if that makes sense you know we go anywhere it's like man they're asking pictures for tommy Luce, not not pj thompson not dakota so uh you know that's kind of an awesome thing to say not many people can say that well talk a little bit about that because when you were recruited there was there was questions whether pj thompson could play at this level mm-hmm. and and i'm just being as sincere and as honest as i can be and well, I'm um, sure he heard him. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> social media. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, there's been people who have said, and as his career has gone along, well, you know, PJ this, PJ that. Uh, you, you've you've squashed all the doubters, all of them, totally, uh, in your career. There's no question about it. So you're a great, you know, a great influence on other guys that may be in your position. There's no question about it. But just tell us how that. How you've been able to handle that all the way through, and I'm sure your dad's had a lot to do with that to keep you in the right focus and things of that nature. But to have you do what you've done, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always say this: I was a pretty good basketball player when I was young. I went to Youngstown University. I didn't go to I didn't go to Purdue. I was a pretty good basketball player, and everybody could say anything they want to say about someone. You can't be pretty good and play at this level. You got to be really good. Yeah. See, I wasn't playing with Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek. I was playing with Tom McElboy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Our apologies so, to Tom. Yeah. But the yeah. point but the point is this. These guys are on a special plane. And for him to do what he's done is really special. Trust me when I say that if you if you ever doubt it, and I know you don't. But just a but just a thought about that. I mean just, you know, being able to do what you do and like you say, hey, I said the same thing this week. Hey, I'm the announcer for maybe the third-ranked team in America. That right. makes me feel good. You <laughs> exactly. know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it goes uh, to show, just, I don't know, the belief that, you know, it starts with, like, Purdue's coaching staff. They were the only Big Ten team to offer me. And it was my goal growing up. Not my goal, but, like, my promise to myself, like, I'm going to play at that level because I know I can play at that level. So I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to wait for the best situation, but I know I can play there, so I am. And, you know, Purdue's coaching staff, they were with me since eighth grade. They recruited me, um, so I was really comfortable. And then when they offered, it felt like home. And, you know, when they offered me, it, 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 Ronnie Johnson was here, Bryson was here. Um, so there's a couple other point guards that ahead of me and older than me that's been here. So I didn't care. I was like, I'm going anyway. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I feel my way through it, and I'm going to end up playing. Because um, that's the confidence I had in myself, and that's, that's the confidence they had in me. Otherwise, they wouldn't offer me with 
those with those guys here. So I still felt confident, and um, you know my parents believed in me, coaching staff believed in me, friends and family. So you know they're giving me confidence, and if I knew I could play at that level, then why not go try it? And um, even though I you know didn't have the best success early on, with not playing that much my freshman year, I did have some times where I played well and you know helped contribute to some wins. So um, and then as I got older and older, I played more. Um, I learned about college basketball more, what Coach Paint wanted from his guards, and um, and then I was able to fill a role. You know, every, I knew everyone was a star in high school. Everyone averaged 27 points and was the best player on your team. So when you get to college, you got to find your niche, find your role. And, you know, mom was going to be playing defense, leading it, you know, taking a big shot and making it So um, and shooting the ball. So I found that, and then I just tried to work on my game to become a better player in, that, in those areas. Well, I can't think of another guy on this team who's. I mean, um, your off-court value is through the ch- through the roof as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Um, so our fans kind of have an idea. Uh, PJ is kind of the Pied Piper of this crew. Um, he's the guy that uh, he gets he gets stuff done. And from a organizational standpoint, I can tell you that he's he's my go-to guy every time I need mm-hmm. like messages communicated to everybody. Um, and it may be something simple like, hey, let's make sure everybody gets their books turned in after the semester's over, and I'll get a text back from PJ. Got it. We're on it. And, and, I, and I don't have to worry. Like, it's done. And that speaks volumes to him. Um, first of all, I think two things. First of all, to a man, everybody on this uh, roster, players, coaches, respect you at the ultimate level. And two, just your um, – I think it says something about your work ethic, your personality that you're able to lead. And it may not be in a demonstrative fist pump way all the time on the court, although you've had those moments as well. But you do a lot of your leadership stuff behind the scenes. And uh, I just want to kind of commend you for that. But but then also talk about, is that something that, it just seems like it's so natural to you. I mean, when I talk to all the guys, it's just like, oh, you know, he's just such a good good guy and and. It seems like you're everybody's go-to guy in terms of who they talk to on our team. Yeah, definitely. They always make fun of me because they're like, man, PJ doesn't have any enemies. You know, he's friends with everybody. <laughs> and, you know, I'm talking to, we'll be at Northwestern or any place. And, like, it's like, oh, PJ always has a friend on the team that he's talking to. So, um, I don't know. I, think, I guess that goes to show, like, my personality. Um, it, it just becomes natural. I'm not a guy that tries to, you know, overlead or anything because I trust um, – where, where Purdue's culture is and where the guys are on the team, it's like, well, you're kind of leading yourself because everyone has a voice on our um, team and everyone ex- like knows what we as like captains expect, what Coach Painter ex- expects. So um, they honestly, they make it easier for me because they know what we expect. Um, and then there's times when, when I am showing emotion or where, do I, where I do get pissed off, they listen because they know I'm, it's coming from a good place and they know I mean it because I'm not just doing it for no reason. So, um, no, the guys have made it really easy on me and, um, you know, and I've learned from guys like Rafael, who who was a huge leader for Purdue, and who I still get texts from pretty much before every game. You know, he texted me. <laughs> speaking of every game, he texted me last game uh, a picture of Nate Mason, where it said uh, Nate Mason scores thirty points over Purdue, and he was like, "I'm I'm sure you're not gonna let that happen again." So uh, <laughs> those are the type of texts I'm getting from Rafael day in and day out, and he's like. Um, he's like, man, I think you're one of the best point guards in the Big Ten. I don't care what your numbers say. So, he, and he's giving you positive no, encouragement too. I agree. So, um, you know, Rayfell has been huge for me. Um, Dakota's been huge for me. Being around a guy like him, who's so businesslike, who does everything the right way, who shows up, it says be there 30 minutes, who shows up an hour and 30 minutes before. Um, being around guys like that makes you become a better person, makes you become a better player. So, uh, I gotta commend them. So, um, along. Uh Along those lines, we talk about Rayfield. <clears throat> One thing about our um, group, and I, I guess I'm thinking about times when we're either on a bus or on a plane or, or traveling the world, whatever it might be, in an airport somewhere. Um, I think everybody on this team, and I'm talking about staff and players, has a pretty healthy sense of humor. <laughs> and you got to have some pretty thick skin um, on, 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 in our group. And I think that goes players, coaches, everybody. Um, Coach Painter is really good about when it's time to lock in on an opponent and get to the X's and O's piece and the strategy piece. He's really good, and I, I don't. I would argue there's few better. But I think one of the underrated things about Coach is he's able to make you guys enjoy the process too, and mm-hmm. we have fun doing it. Like we work really, really hard, 
but we have a really fun time um, doing it. And and it, and you got to have some thick skin because there's going to be a little teasing going on. Oh, and our team's hilarious. <laughs> you better have thick skin. You're not going to last very long. Like Coach Painter, like I didn't like he is hilarious. We could be watching film and like it ends up everyone's just laughing because he says something just hysterical. Like. And he's always making fun of the assistants because they'll go 15 minutes past the time and film. And it's just hilarious, you know, the, the jokes with uh, Dakota and Coach G and uh, you know Gabby. It's just funny. Our team's hilarious, and I, it goes to show we're businesslike, but you know we know how to have a good time too. So um, you know, it's definitely a good good team to be around. Well, one of the things that sticks out is we beat Arizona State last year in the uh, Jimmy V game in Madison Square Garden. And if our fans, I know, remember, we dominated that game from start to finish. But there was a moment about three or four minutes into the game where Arizona State gets kind of a breakaway, and P.J.'s back, and he's really stuck in a tough spot. It's like a two or three on one, and he's back into the basket, and they throw an alley-oop, and the guy dunked, (laughs) dunked pretty impressively, and P.J.'s doing the best he can. And our film session then following that game, I think it was they say that clip to the very last clip, and then that that clip comes up, and the whole room's like, ooh, like a collective <laughs> groan. And Fiji's like, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Like, you know, not every clip has to make it into the highlight pack, right? But but when stuff like that happens, especially when you win by thirty, right? Especially after a win, that's gonna be that's that's sure to be in there. And I think that we got Dakota the other day after the Michigan game on that air ball. Yep, and. That made it in there. And, of course, there's comments made from the staff and everything. Isaac getting dunked on another day. <laughs> that made it in there. Isaac get dunked on against Nebraska. That made it in there for sure. And it's, But it's a way to, like, remind ourselves, too. You know, it's not, I mean, we're very serious on things. But if you're serious 100% of the time, it's never going to work. Right. And we have to enjoy the process and have fun doing it. But there's no question that uh, you got to have some thick skin. And, and of course, the one common thread is everybody likes taking shots at Larry. Uh, yes. And so... <laughs> who Especially was, lately. Larry was getting lit up on the bus ride to the oh. airport after the Minnesota game, oh. including by our bus driver who yeah. was taking some shots they at They all him. took shots at me, PJ. I didn't all hear that from the back. No, no. Yeah, you guys were in the back. We were up front, and Larry was getting torched. But it was all in good humor. I was like a rag doll, just getting blasted. <laughs> this side, that side. But, you know, so who's words the, hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that phrase came up ten times on that bus. Right? Guys, words hurt. So uh, when you guys are together, mm-hmm. who's the funniest player? I didn't realize how funny Aaron was. Aaron, really? Like, no, Joe's personality, like everyone knows, no, Joe's a, a comedian. You know, his personality is great. Um, it's great for our team. Um, he's a clown. No, Joe's a clown 24 7. Um, it's almost like, no, Joe, stop. Like, we're about to go over the walkthrough. It's not, don't be funny now. Be funny after. Or be funny wow. when we're in the locker room. So, no, Joe's a clown, but Aaron is 24 7. He's a comedian. And he, by the slyest ways, like, I don't know if it's because of his East Coast, just like his act, not accent, but like the words he says and stuff, like, Aaron's hilarious. Then obviously I'm gonna throw myself in there too. You know, I get the people going a little bit. Um, I, I'm not a, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a like the buttons. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. push so, some buttons. Uh, but no, th- those two are funny. Um, Carson has his moments too, where he clowns. He can be a funny. Boy, guy. you would not. You would never think that. Yeah, you wouldn't. As a, as a fan <laughs> or as a, an observer, you would. You would he's not one of those, think that. He's one of those guys you gotta like get in. Like he doesn't let everyone in. But oh when sure. You, when, yeah, you, right. when you get in with Bug, he, he's a clown. He likes to have fun. So uh, he just doesn't let everyone in right away. He has to trust you. And you know, I've been around those type of guys too. Where it's like me, I don't care. It's like I'm gonna be myself either way. When it's when it's time to, but um, yeah, now Boogie, he's funny. He's funny too. Does that um, does that amuse you guys when you see what your, pers- what the perception of you is from the outside, like from fans or yeah. like on social media or things like that? Mm-hmm. And then you, but you know the real story, yeah, like so like everybody thinks Carson's like this angry young man that's just so unhappy all the time. Oh yeah, and exactly. so high strong. Yeah, right. And then you like you're speaking to in reality. Nothing's further from the truth. That's gotta be. Yeah, that's no. gotta be amusing at some at, it's at, at times. No, he's always laughing. He's always having fun. He always wants to have fun. He doesn't. He doesn't want to always do the you know the business part of it. And people, you know, you have no idea. Like he's just different. You know, the, you see the shoes he wears. You know, Coach Paint thought they were Timberlands on the court at first. Yeah, right, so, right, right. Uh, no, he's just, he's different. He's a, he's a good guy though. And then I'm like no gel. I wish y'all could see him because he's just crazy. But 
He is very fun to be around. Now, so what's something else? You talked about Coach Painter's got a tremendous sense of humor, mm-hmm. and I, I do, I would agree with you that a lot Which of people. Which very few people from the outside looking in would think that is, is true. Well, he just doesn't show it. I mean, he's pretty. Uh, he doesn't know, show a lot of things he does, that, he, that he is, that's for sure, because he, he's very vanilla to the. Uh, to the times that people get a glimpse at him um if we had you know if we were on uh if they had a college version of hard knocks hbo's hard knocks now that like our fans minds would be blown if they they had that yeah Yeah. they they would exactly what that is not who i thought that person was at all but what's something else about coach painter that that you know to be true that it, it either you feel like really um, makes him a great coach or just that people don't know about um he's got to be the smartest you know person I've been around as far as coaching goes and it's not even close um the amount of detail he puts into everything um because it's funny me and Grady were just talking about that yesterday actually we, so we were watching film on Wisconsin but another team and the details that we already talked about with Wisconsin 25 minutes into a film session Grady looked at me and he said, do you not think that they scouted that like Ethan Happ is going to spend, that Ethan Happ is going to do that? He's like, I just don't get it. He's like, what do they do in practice? And I'm like, dude, I don't know because you know that's, we talked about it for 20 minutes and we still have two days to prepare. So um, he's super, super smart. Um, he, he And he knows how to, he's so smart. He, he knows how to get to every player. He knows every player inside out. He knows that he can't treat me how he might treat like a, a Vince because we're two we're different people. So right. like, he might. I don't. I'm, not, I'm just using Vince as first name, like, because he can yell at us both, and we can take it fine. But, um, so say we weren't. I might be able to yell at PJ, but I can't yell at Vince because he's a different person. He doesn't take to it as well. Um, right. He might shut down. So, uh, and Vince isn't like that. He can take it because he gets it a lot. But um, that's just an example. He's such a smart. He knows his players inside out. He makes it fun. He's 100% always having fun, making jokes. He's a players coach. He's someone you want to play for. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And you're right. You have to treat guys differently in terms of coaching. That's just the way, and Larry and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast. That's the way coaching is nowadays. It's the way it's become. You have to be able to treat each guy and push their buttons to get the most out of them. And mm-hmm. it's not a overall approach to everybody. That would never work um, in this day and age. Just like we have to coddle Larry when he, we do the coaches show or pregame interviews or anything like that. Oh. Well, PJ, I want to get to the uh, the final four here, and these are four questions that we ask all of our guests um, on the podcast. So okay. we're going to throw them at you and see what we got here. The f- first question of the final four for PJ Thompson here on the podcast, uh, what is your go-to music of choice? Um, I'm a big Drake fan. Uh, Shots the Six guy, a huge Drake guy. Listen to him probably every day. So. So now, any uh, conflicts in the locker room when we're when you guys are picking music to listen oh, to? Oh man, yeah. Some people can't get <laughs> on the ox score. <laughs> Some people can't. They they they're banned for, for and they might be freshmen. You know, Joe's choice of music is terrible. I hope he hears it because we've almost banned him from being on the ox score for his whole four years, and we won't even be here. So, um, yeah, the de- the music variety in the locker room is definitely different. There's better um, DJs than others. Is there a, is it a senior thing? You guys get first crack as seniors. Vince, uh, Vince handles it, but he gets our input um, from it. Yeah, but Ryan's a good DJ. Ryan's very uh, cultured. Um, you know, he he knows how to you know play all the sides. He 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 knows good music, and I, it's like me too. Like I can go from a Drake um, to a little Uzi, and then to Justin Bieber, and you know the chain smokers or something. So I like to be uh, very. I gotta have a good variety. You know, just depends what kind of mood I'm in. So do the big guys get any say in, in the music? No. Uh, I don't think Matt listens to music. He's the smartest kid on the team, but I don't. He's not a big music. I don't know if he listens to music or not. And then Isaac, uh, he used to listen to some hip hop. You know, early on, like our freshman year. I don't know if he listens to more country now or what, but. Uh, no, they don't really have a say. We just throw it into them, they score. So that's, that's what good as we get for them. <laughs> so guards and seniors are running the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Um, okay, second question here on the final four is, what is your favorite book or the your uh, maybe a book you read recently that, you, that you've really enjoyed? I um, haven't read a book recently, but the books I enjoy, I like the books that, like, ha- that are um, – written by someone who's like been through it those are autobiographies right mm-hmm. so i like those just because it has a true meaning behind it and um it tells someone's stories or an experience they've been through i enjoy those the most and i think it kind of 
um, it's easier for me to read, easier for me to understand because I kind of like picture what's going on and um, you know just learning more about a, a person. So I, I love those. Whether it's from a sports guy, um, you know, a comedian. I don't care. Like Kevin Hart came with a book, came out with a book, and I kind of want to read his because um, it tells him about his life and everything like that. So um, I like books that is written by someone who's been through it. Who anybody in particular you find really interesting that? Do you gravitate towards certain um, like actors or musicians or or former players or things like that? I'm a huge um, Kobe Bryant fan, surprisingly, because um, I'm really an unselfish guy, and Kobe really liked to shoot it. So, <laughs> um, but no, I'm, a, I'm a, I just loved his mentality. Uh, a lot of people don't have his mentality, um, and then I think he like led in kind of a different way. So like um, a few years ago, he did a thing like Kobe doing work, which was a um, it was a film, I think yeah. they ripped. I, I remember that. By a um, guy in New York. He's Spike always, Lee? He's on the sidelines. Spike Lee. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Spike Lee wrote it, and Kobe, like, and it was just him, how he's thinking inside a game. And, like, I watched it a hundred times in a row. <laughs> it was great. But And I think he's coming out with something in March, too. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. Well, so. And I know you and Coach Owens uh, were um, – he was a huge Kobe fan, so I know you guys would talk all the time, and that's a big topic of um, debate in locker rooms. Is huge. you know Kobe, LeBron, anybody else in that conversation? Um, now there has to be obviously well, with Kobe Durant, being retired. Durant would have to be Kevin there. Durant. Yeah. Durant's in there too, and, uh, and, and Steph Curry. And, and Curry. Oh, yeah. yeah, and now Harden. Got to throw him in there yep. occasionally. And I know that um, Dakota is, uh, you guys are, he's always a big topic of debate because he jumps on the best team, basically. I mean, he's unbelievable. Like, I, he was he was in almost in tears. When LeBron got traded, we were, I think we had to be a freshman or sophomore when he left and went back. Um, and we were literally watched in the locker room together. And he was like, I used to be such a big LeBron fan, blah, 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 blah. And then he somehow becomes a Warriors fan, Warriors fan, the, uh, the um, year that they won it. I'm like, you weren't a Warriors fan back when Steph Curry was turning his ankle every month, wasn't playing, when Monte Ellis was on the team, and Jackson and all those guys. I'm like, there's no way. And now he becomes a Stephen Curry fan, and the Warriors are almost beating the Bulls record and all that stuff. And then KD goes there, and like he's like, oh, KD's going to ruin the team. KD's going to ruin the team. I can't believe they got KD. And I'm looking at him like, how can one of the best players in the world ruin a team? And then a couple months later, KD's averaging 30, helps him win the finals. And he's like, oh, man, that was a great pickup. Steve Kerr's a genius. <laughs> and, and now he's cheering for Tom Brady to win it all. So oh. <laughs> uh, that's Dakota in a nutshell. Oh. Well, I remember his I secret. And we, and we referenced that. When he was on the podcast, we asked him all about that. And he did get on our Secret Santa Exchange this year a uh, Fairweathered Fan T-shirt. Yeah. Well, hey, that's – I don't – I wish I could do that. I mean, I really do. I mean – because then someday I could associate myself with a winner other than the, <laughs> uh, the Boilermakers. I mean, I'm talking professionally, cause my, and I'm a Cavaliers fan. So And people say, well, you know, they're playing so bad now. I said, I don't care. We got that championship two years ago. That's all I needed. <laughs> That's all I needed before I died was that championship. Now you're but Browns. I was alive when they had the last one. When the Browns had the last one, I was 17 years old. So the Browns, on the other hand. Oh, 0-16, oh but... And heartbreak with the Indians. So. Heartbreak with the Indians twice in the last two years, actually. All right, PJ, question number three here on the Final Four. If you could wave a wand to do any profession on the planet, what would it be? Oh, um, honestly, I would, I would be a golfer because it's not taxing on your body. I don't know how to golf, and I really want to know how to golf. And... Um, it just seems like like who wouldn't want to live in a sunny place and golf every day? Like that that is a great answer. I mean, and, like, and there is a lot to be said for that. Like football, and, but, I don't want but to you'd have to th- like, hey, but you'd have to throw one one caveat in there to be a competitive golfer. Yeah. In other words, I'm on the PGA Tour, and let's say I'm in the top twenty five. I, I wouldn't even say top ten. Mm-hmm. Top twenty five PGA Tour chance to win any event I was in if I got good right on that day or that week yeah but most of the time cash and checks yeah 100%. that'd be pretty good that'd be pretty good yeah and be the good endorsement life. deals i mean you walk around those guys walk around they got a golf shirt on with 10 logos on it yeah and I, every time i see it i think to myself i wonder how much he got for that one and that one and that one yeah absolutely and you're right uh, most of those guys living in florida or uh you know 
Southern California, those kind of and places. And I know exactly how you feel because when I was playing the Tiger Woods game on my computer like six, seven, eight years ago at age which 65. Was, which he was very serious about, by the <laughs> which way. Which I was really serious about. I played it just constantly every day, four or five hours a day, and I broke every PGA record there ever was. I know exactly how it felt. It was great. It was a great feeling. So you've lived that tour life. Oh, I've lived it, and I can tell you, PJ, good good choice. Oh. Absolutely good choice. <laughs> Oh, see if you if you did the final four, that would be this next question. Oh yeah, which is the final four question? A what is a little known or unknown fact about you that not many people know of? And in Larry's case, it would have been he played Tiger Woods obsessively. <laughs> oh, for, for two years. For two and I took it all the way to the limit where I could. I won everything, and I mean my average score is like minus fifty eight, and it was just great, and I kept. You I, stood on the mountaintop. Is what I you're stood saying. on the mountaintop and looked down, and then somehow I erased everything by mistake, and I was so <laughs> mad, and I finally just gave up. I said, I'm not going to ever do this again. And it happened, by the way. Crashing back down to reality. Yeah, okay, back. so, PJ, what is something, a little-known fact about you? Um, I think, it will, at first, it would have been my name. Like People legit thought my name was PJ, and it's not. Uh, it's LaSalle Thompson the fourth, but... Uh, more people know that now, but I think the other little-known fact would be, um, I said in a couple interviews before, but that I played the clarinet in middle school, and I was one of the top chairs. I was top three. Actually, I was kind of a stud. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I used to do that, and uh, I kind of, honestly, I looked forward to the band class. It was fun. You know, it was away from the actual books, and now I got to sit in the third chair. It was out of four chairs, but um, I was the third <laughs> chair, and I wasn't last, so I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I add a denim here? I my best friend in sixth grade, Bill Pinkerton, played the trombone. So I come home one day and say, "Mom, I want to play the trombone. Get out of here." No, I really do. And I had played piano, and so they let me play trombone. And so in junior high, I was part of the junior high marching band. I get in the ninth grade. And I am so bad at trombone that when we would go to band contest, I was in the third chair or the fourth chair or the last chair. The band director says, Larry, would you do us a favor and just kind of like mimic playing when we're in contest? <laughs> just move the slide and don't make a sound. Do not make a sound. It might hurt us. It might cost us some points. So that's how my that's how my trombone career came Cru to a crashing call. Crushed you. Oh, crushed me. That's tough. <laughs> True story, by the way. So, so for those keeping at home, that would be the equivalent of going on a road game and Coach Painter going up to someone and say, you know what, I think your ankles hurt today. <laughs> exactly. You will not be playing. No, no, it was worse than that because that would be going out on the court and having someone see you and then somehow mimic that you were okay. Cause so, I had that, so what you're saying I is was in the chair. The chair would, wasn't vacant. He would check somebody in and say, now I need you to immediately walk out on the court and then start limping. And I will pull you out <laughs> exactly, and exactly. bench you the rest yeah, of the game. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. That's, that would be the equivalency. Humiliation. Oh, so how long did it take for you to quit after that? Oh, no more than 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I was done. Oh, my goodness. You, you know, know when someone, you know, someone looks at you and says, you really don't have a future. I mean, you normally think, eh, well, really? And everybody around you is saying, uh-uh. Then you, you know, usually take the hint. Prophetic professor. Yeah. Teacher. So now, the only thing that, that I didn't, the only thing I didn't do is I, when all those people said I didn't have a broadcasting career. And I mean, that's as much as five years ago. Then, you know, heck with you. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> See, Larry, Larry reads the social media as well, and he's got to overcome oh, that as yeah, well, PJ. Yeah, I get that. It's a beautiful thing, uh, PJ, to be honest with you. As produced play-by-play announcer and having been with him for so long, I get the same thing the players get. When we're not going well, oh, they hate me. Or they're going to say something immediately when I walk into a store, you know. So yeah. I, so I hide. I mean, yeah, if we're in a three, if we're in a three-game losing streak, I hide. Yeah. And then you know, when things are like they are now, oh, I walk around, my head Chest is up. up. Oh yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I know what you're feeling. That's the beauty of it. Well, can you uh, before we go here, PJ? I want to ask you one more question. Can you believe that we're 
in the middle of Big Ten season, your senior year? I can't, man. It's honestly, it's flew by so fast. Um, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy it all because it's going by too fast, man. Um, it's just, I mean, it's pretty cool, though, just to see where we were, you know, when we first got here, you know, um, you know, in the mud, you know, diving in the mud and in the sand and doing wall sits, jumping out of the pool and stuff, you know, so with the Navy SEALs. And then, you know, to be in top five in the country, you're seeing a year, you know, one more semester to go. And, um, you know, in, in the midst of trying to win a Big Ten, another Big Ten championship, you know, you, if you can get two Big Ten championships out of four years, you know, you've done something. And um, just to, to the Purdue fans, you know, they've, they've had Mackie rocking, um, you know, all four years, even when we, you know, weren't ranked yet. And, uh, we were still selling out games. I still remember the freshman year game. NC State was awesome. You know, awesome atmosphere. And, um, you know, they've been there the whole time with this. So, you know, we definitely want to get it done for them and, you know, for the coaching staff, Coach Payne, ourselves. So, uh, a couple more games to go, though. Well, we're, we're big fans of you, and we appreciate all you do. And we, uh, we enjoy every day practice, travel, games. So, we, uh, we look and, forward uh, to be prepared. Be prepared for what's going to be facing you now is that big podcast, what we call the bump. The bump. Yeah. As soon as you leave this, this, facility here oh my goodness yeah your life will change and uh, don't and and don't be don't be surprised to see a few extra numbers in that box score for you on the upcoming games oh, yeah, we have absolutely. that effect on yeah. you I like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well pj thanks for taking time today Thank it's been uh, been a lot of fun yep thanks for having me all right fans that's uh, our podcast episode 35 here on boiler ball and uh special thanks to our guest pj thompson Thanks as well for listening, and until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.